So we're talking about relationships and the ABCs of relationships. Last week, we uh, looked at uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, where the Apostle Paul wrote, Let no corrupt word come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for necessary edification, that it may give grace to its hearers. Now, that was last week. We talked about communication in our relationships and how that we can sometimes settle for just normal, everyday conversation. I mean, it's, it's normal for us to have clanging, banging words uh, uh, when, uh, when we're under stress or uh, when, we're feel, when we feel attacked. It's normal for us to have the kind of words that are death-dealing rather than life-giving. That's normal. It's a normal response uh, to uh, the feeling of the moment or the hour. Uh, but we aren't called as followers of Jesus to just a normal response. You and I as followers of Christ aren't called or equipped for just the normal everyday life. In fact, the Spirit of God has been given to us uh, in part so that we as followers of Jesus might live a supernatural kind of life. So that we might respond supernaturally, not just naturally. And so we, we uh, pray that God would help us to stop, take a breath, and pray. Lord, are the words I'm about to say life-giving or death-dealing? Are the words I'm about to say, do they build up or do they tear down? And if they tear down, if they're filled with a toxic venom that seeks to destroy the one with whom we're sharing and talking, then we need to yield to the Spirit of God, let Him stop our mouth, put a bridle on our tongue, and replace those toxic words with life-giving words. Words that build up and words that extend grace and give grace to those with whom we have relationship. So that was last week. This week, we're, 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 we're taking time to really get behind our words. See, so often, and even this week for me, maybe you experienced it too, I encountered those moments when I was tempted and sometimes fell prey to the temptation to use uh, words like a hammer on a hardened heart. It doesn't get ver- us very far. It doesn't do very much, but it sure made me feel good in the moment until I realized that those were words that were displeasing to God. And, and so I, I, I tried to stop, uh, to take a breath and to pray before I let my words fly. Sometimes it, it worked pretty well, sometimes not so much, but I wonder why it is that I want to say what I want to say even before I say it. Why, why is it that I want to say those things? Why, why is it that I want to say the things that are going to pierce like a sword into the soul of the person around me? Why would I threaten my relationships with those words? And I think what Paul does is he helps us see behind our words when he talks about our emotions. Now, 429, let no corrupting word proceed out of your mouth, but only that which is good for necessary edification, that it may give grace to its hearers. And then verse 30, uh, which is an important verse that we'll refer to. Verse 30 says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you 
with all malice. Now, as he speaks about the, the Holy Spirit, what he's saying is that the Spirit of God is the, uh, uh, the person of the Trinity most active in our relationships with our words and even with our emotions. Uh, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. That means that the Spirit of God resides within you, has sealed you, has, has put God's stamp of authenticity as part of his family, has labeled you not ordinary but extraordinary, uh, has said that because you are a, a, a child of God, because you're a follower of Jesus, because you are, are the temple of the Spirit of God, we we need to respond differently in our relationships, not just the way we feel in the moment. And when we refuse to submit ourselves to the Spirit of God with our words and then with our emotions, then we're breaking God's heart. Grieving the Spirit of God literally means to, to pour a heartache on God. And so our words do matter and those words flow out of our relationship. So Paul says, okay, your words matter. Don't let any corrupting speech come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to its hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And then verse 31, our text today. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger clamor, evil speaking be put away from you, along with all malice. As we look at the emotions that uh, drive our words, we need to understand that just as God uses our words to build healthy relationships, God also uses our emotions to build healthy relationships. God uses our emotions to build healthy relationships. If our words set the trajectory for our relationships, remember Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. If our words, a wholesome tongue, sets the trajectory for our relationships, a tree of life, then what sets the trajectory of our words? I believe in part our words are sparked by our emotions, how we feel. Now, look, I'm not trying to get in your business about all your emotions. I can't fix your emotions. I can't deal with all your emotions. My soul in sad exile, I live in a house filled with women. There are so many emotions that fly around at a particular time. And guys, I'm just as bad as the ladies in my house now. I mean, I have adopted their, their uh, scenario of emotional living and it's okay. It's fine. I'm not trying to fix your emotions. I don't know how. I'm just, I mean, you pray for me. I'm trying to fix my emotions too, right? I, I can't solve your emotional problems. They, they have great counselors, some in this room right now, who can help you navigate some of the emotions that you're feeling. But here's what I know, and here's what I need to share with you from God's Word. That there are emotions that we have that are negative and toxic. And if we don't deal with those negative, toxic emotions then it is going to create carnage in our relationships. 
we need to identify what those negative emotions are. Paul does it for us. We don't really have to spend a lot of time figuring it out. He points to us, points us in the direction of these negative emotions when he says, let all bitterness, wrath, and anger be put away from you. Bitterness. Now, let's talk about bitterness for a second. Now, bitterness is uh, the Greek term pikria, and it, it's, a, it's a term that that means a resentful emotion. It, it's a resentful emotion. It's where we take our, our sentiments and we put it right here and we say, this is resentment. Now, our resentment might flow out of something that someone's done for us or, or done against us or something that somebody else has gotten that we haven't gotten. Resentment is this, uh, this settled attitude of uh, bitterness towards someone else. Uh, the problem with resentment is that it is not productive. It doesn't lead to any positive solution. Resentment is like me drinking poison and expecting you to die. Re- resentment is, is something that we hold on to. Now, resentment is not passive. Many of you are here today and you have been resentful. For whatever reason, you've been resentful and you've excused that behavior. You've said, it's okay for me to be bitter. It's okay for me to be resentful. Look at what has happened to me. But it doesn't just stop there. It's not just sorrow over the things that have happened to you or the things that you've lost or the things that you can't gain. Resentment is an active emotion. See, you are nursing your bitterness. You're, 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 you're creating a, a, a nursery for your bitterness and you have put in all the ingredients in that nursery for that emotion to grow. You let resentment take hold of your heart because you don't like this or you don't like the way that's happened. And it begins to take hold of your heart so that not only are you nursing your wound, But now you are actively seeking information that will help reinforce your bitterness, justification for the way you feel. We live in a political season right now, and I've got to tell you, a lot of the rancor that you hear uh, on political pundits and everything else, it's like people looking for a reason to be bitter against others. Regardless of the political uh, climate, political flavor of your life, you, you look and you hear uh, the, uh, the platforms of many of the politicians out there running for president, and they're feeding, they are feeding their campaign on resentment of individuals. And, and, and so when they hear certain statistics, they say, that's why I'm resentful. They, they, they read something on Facebook. They say, that proves it. That just proves it. Doesn't that prove it? It settles it. There I am. I'm resentful. We start nursing our resent, resentment, and then we start uh, looking for evidence to feed our resentment. And again, the problem is it doesn't do anything for us. It doesn't add any kind of health to our life. It doesn't have, add any health in our relationships. That's why Paul says you've got to get rid of it. 
See, I don't, I don't know everything about emotions, but I do know this. When the Bible says, get rid of bitterness, you better get rid of bitterness. Bitterness is a negative emotion that tears down our relationships. He says, let all bitterness, and then he uses another word, wrath. This is the Greek term, thumos. Now, thumos can mean passion. It can mean a good thing or a bad thing. In this context, it's a bad thing. When you see the term wrath or thumos in the Greek, it's a picture of what resentment does to us. See, when we settle in our bitterness, and we, by the way, can I just say, if you look at another person and you uh, have this feeling of antipathy toward them, the root of that is bitterness. The root of that is on you, not on the person to whom you are looking. Resentment begins to boil. And like a pot of water that's under the steady heat of a flame, and it begins to pop and to overflow, resentment is the steady flame in our heart that heats up our emotions into wrath. So that it overflows, it boils over into an outburst of rage. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder how many of us really are just plain mad as a dog at another person. I mean, I I see it in different seasons of my life, in my own journey. I've seen myself have these outbursts of rage, but as I peel back the emotion a little bit, I see that the outburst of rage, it sometimes is is not because of a, a righteous indignation. It's because of resentment I have in my heart or bitterness that I have in my soul. Again, I, I know that there are times when we have righteous indignation. I know people will always point out, well, Jesus got mad and he cleaned out the temple. A couple of things about that. You're not Jesus. If you can say that you are living in the kind of holiness and the character of, 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 of godliness that Jesus had, then go at it, clean out the temple. Uh, that's one thing. Second thing I'd say is Jesus had an anger that was righteously motivated, not negatively motivated. He, was, he, he had this, this moment of anger because he had a deeper love for God, and that love for God demanded that he act when he saw sin working so prevalently among the religious. By the way, most of us reserve righteous indignation against people who don't know God. Jesus reserved righteous indignation against those who did know God. The righteous indignation that he showed uh, throughout his ministry was toward people that knew God or knew about God, the people who went to church, people like you and me. We're the objects of his, uh, of his righteous anger. You know how he dealt with the lost people, the people who didn't know God, people who were far from God? He felt compassion for them. He felt sorrow over their sin. He sought a way to rescue them. But for the religious leaders, he, 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 he got upset. 
I wonder what would look different in our church today and what would look different in our relationships if we reserved righteous indignation for each other and compassion for those who are far from God. How would that look different? Needless to say, what Paul does here is he says, okay, you have resentment, and resentment in your heart, uh, if, if, you, if you don't deal with it, it is going to lead to wrath. So he says you've got to get rid of resentment, and you've got to get rid of wrath. By the way, there is a little word, a little adjective or pronoun that Paul uses here, all. Let all bitterness, let all wrath be put away from you. As well as anger. Now, anger is a peculiar thing. Anger is something that, that uh, we see uh, in verses 26 and 27. Uh, Paul says, hey, don't uh, he says, be angry and do not sin, and don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't give room for the devil to move. Now, what's he talking about? Well, there is an anger, as I've already said, there's an anger that is righteous. There's an anger that is, uh, uh, that is, uh, that is positive. But most of us are stuck in an anger that is destructive. If wrath, if wrath is that, uh, uh, that, that popping and overflowing uh, of, uh, of an emotion uh, that's heated by resentment, that, uh, that has this outburst, anger is a hissing, seething disposition of despisal. Anger is a settled feeling in your heart toward another. Again, the progression is it begins with resentment. It moves into wrath, but then it calms down and settles into a destructive anger. Again, Paul says, let all bitterness, wrath, and anger be put away. The question is... Are you even worried about it? I do believe that one of the reasons our relationships are so out of sync is because our emotions are so out of sync. I'm, I, I mean, your emotions. I, guys, I got to tell you, this is uh, everything we're talking about. It's the theological term called sanctification. It's what the Spirit of God wants to do. The Spirit of God wants to work in your life so that you can live a supernatural life, not just a natural life, so that you can grow up to the full measure and the stature of Jesus Christ, so that you no longer remain the same. Guys, if you have had the same emotions of resentment and wrath and anger and you've never settled it, you just excuse it, make no mistake, you are a baby in Jesus Christ. Thank you. That is perfect. That was perfect. The baby cried. Now, what Paul does is he says, okay, these things need to be put away. So if you're here today and you feel the feelings of resentment, 
or you have this boiling disposition toward another, or if you have this seething, angry despisal for another. Before you take another step, just stop, take a breath, and pray. Lord, are these emotions that I'm feeling in sync with your spirit? Do they reflect the character of Jesus? Guys, if your emotions are out of sync with the spirit, and they do not reflect the character of Jesus, you know what needs to happen, don't you? You need to do whatever it takes to get rid of those emotions. So resentment needs to be put away, along with wrath and along with anger. But why? Well, because we need to understand where these negative emotions lead us. Again, this is, uh, we're just breaking apart, verse 31. So what does Paul say? Paul, Paul continues the journey. He says, okay, now you are blocking your relationship because you have these negative emotions. And these negative emotions produce something specific. The first thing it produces is... Uh, what is it? Clamor? Is that the word? Clamor? That's the Greek word gay. Doesn't that sound good? It just sounds like a bad word, doesn't it? gay. Clamor is really just shouting. He says, when you have resentment that you don't yield to the Spirit of God, that produces wrath that you don't yield to the Spirit of God, that produces anger that you don't yield to, uh, to the Spirit of God, then what happens is you're going to start shouting. Not in a good way. Not like my great-grandmother did. My great-grandmother come to church and she'd shout. She was a shouter. Woo! She only read out of the King James Version, but she was a shouter. She probably handled snakes. I don't know. We didn't ever tell that story, but... Uh, hillbilly from Tennessee. But anyway, uh, I'm not talking about that kind of shouting. Paul's not talking about that kind of shouting. He's talking about shouting at someone. He's talking about doing the best you can to shout another down. When we have these negative emotions, it's going to produce some shouting. Now, I've got to tell you, this was hard for me to swallow this week. As I was studying, you know, there are times when I shout. In my relationships. And I have always tried to excuse it as saying, well, I'm just trying to get my, get, get my point across. But the truth is, it is just a direct result of negative emotions. I'm not shouting in a positive way to build others up. I'm shouting in a negative way to tear others down. And by the way, clamor is also a picture of complaining. It's, it's, a, it's a picture of what the children of Israel did in the wilderness when they uh, were wandering around. They'd been disobedient to God, so they had to be stuck in the wilderness, and they just were complaining, complaining, complaining. And Moses just got so tired of it and said, Lord, just take me now. 
But the grumbling and the complaining of the children of Israel, krauge is a picture of that complaint. It's just, it's just running at the mouth, complaining and shouting at another in order to tear them down. So when we have resentment that leads to wrath, that re- leads to anger, the result in our relationship is going to be shouting. The other result is the Greek term blasphemia, evil speaking, slander, depending on your translation. Blasphemia in the context of a relationship is where I just badmouth you. Guys, can I tell you, you're not going to have a healthy relationship when you are badmouthing the other. It doesn't work. Even though you've convinced yourself, if, if I can just shame them enough, they're going to start behaving the way I want them to behave. It doesn't work like that. There's nothing healthy about a relationship where you are slandering another. You might say, well, I'm just telling the truth. Uh, You know, God knows your heart better than I do. But in my experience, most of the time, when I hear people just telling the truth about another person, their goal is not to build up that other person. Their goal is to tear that other person down. abusively using our words to hurt another is the direct result of resentment, wrath, and anger. It leads to shouting. It leads to abusive speech. Malice. Paul says, all right, let all these things, get rid of the, get rid of the emotions, the resentment, the wrath and the anger. Get rid of the emotions because they're going to lead to shouting, clamor. They're going to lead to abusive speech, blasphemia, and with all malice, he says. Malice is a term that means evil intention. And really, it's a summary statement of what negative emotions do what negative emotions do is they lead us to have malice toward another malice is where i look to see how i can hurt another person can i ask you a question is there any relationship in your life right now where if you were to really evaluate it you would say i deal in that relationship in order to hurt, harm another person. You might not say it that way. You might say, well, I just want them to, I just want them to, 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 to be uh, corrected. I, I just, I, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to let them see my point of view, or I'm just, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm trying to give them a, 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 a you know, kind of, kind of a, a bring them down a peg or two. Do you realize that that is contrary to what God has called you and me to do in our relationships. It's not your job to bring another person down a peg or two. That's not your job. And when you make it your job, guess what? You have fallen into sin. You're grieving the Holy Spirit of God. When we have actions 
with an evil intention understand that they spring from something as simple as the negative emotion of resentment. So before we start working in our relationship, trying to bring somebody down a peg or two, we need to stop, take a breath, and pray. Oh God, are the things I'm feeling and the things I'm doing intended to harm another or to help another? See, the good news is that the Spirit of God, according to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, the Spirit of God is working to build you up to be a new person, reflecting God's character of righteousness and holiness. That's what the Spirit of God is doing. And so he, he's, he's going to be about the business of, the Bible calls it, renewing your mind. That's transforming your life, transforming even your emotions. You see what happens when we build this wall of negative emotions that produce negative actions. It's hard for us to communicate well. It's hard for us to have intimacy or community. It's hard for us to even be friends. So what does the Spirit do to help us dismantle these negative emotions? Well, I don't have time to talk about all of it, and so I just wanted to summarize one thing. It's about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit transforms our emotions so that it leads to productive actions in our relationships. The Holy Spirit wants to transform your emotions today. Now, I've got to tell you, this is a lifelong journey for me. It's not something that I've arrived at. I haven't all of a sudden said, man, I've got holy emotions now. You know, I'm not there. And I don't think you'll be either. But as I do the hard work every day of yielding to the Spirit of God, then we see that the Spirit of God renews our minds and produces healthy emotions that will build our relationships rather than the negative emotions that block our relationships. Uh, there are a lot of places where we could turn to look at this. Ephesians four twenty three and 24 is one of those really kind of foundational. And the Spirit of God's renewing our minds so that we may, may uh, 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 take on the very character of God uh, in His righteousness and His holiness. Now, that, that's kind of holy emotions that lead to strong relationships. But how does the Spirit of God do that? Well, the Spirit of God, as we yield to the Spirit of God, according to Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, as we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We're not going to give ourselves over to these negative emotions if we're walking in the Spirit. To walk in the Spirit means that we give ourselves every moment, every day, with every feeling, we give ourselves to the Spirit of God. Let the Spirit of God rule in our hearts. And that's why we've taken this journey. We stop and we stop, we take a breath, we pray. Oh God, are my emotions negative and tearing down or are they positive and building up? Lord, is what I'm feeling right now, is it in sync with the Spirit of God and the character of Jesus or is it out of sync? 
Would you be brave and courageous enough to pray that prayer even as you're feeling a certain feeling? See, I believe, I really do believe this and, and, and have experienced it. If we will take the time and do that hard work of yielding to the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, and be disciplined enough to stop, take a breath, and pray, Spirit of God, will you direct my words, my thoughts, my emotions, my feelings? Then the result will be the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Now, those are emotions that are contrary to bitterness and wrath and anger. Love, joy, and peace. This is what God does inside of us as we yield to the Spirit. We are immersed in God's love so that love becomes a defining emotion in our life. And that love that is so overwhelming produces a joy in our life and in our mind and our heart and even in our relationships and produces a peace that surpasses all understanding that neither moth nor rust could ever destroy, that time can't touch and circumstances can't dismantle. We have peace. When we yield to the Spirit, God produces in us these emotions of love, joy, and peace. But he goes on, he says, and the result of that in our relationships is faithfulness, kindness, and goodness. Or perseverance, kindness, and goodness. This perseverance or patience is a long-suffering when someone treats us with a way that... that uh, a kind of a, is less than positive. Instead of responding with resentment that leads to wrath that produces anger, we respond with patient, enduring compassion. It means that we, we give them the benefit of the doubt even when they don't deserve the benefit of the doubt. It means that we respond to them knowing that they're a child of God, that God is doing a work in their life, and I need to be a positive influence in that. We have patience, and then we, we have kindness. And, and, and uh, when, when, when the love of God has so saturated our soul that produces joy and peace and patience, then it produces a kindness in us as we relate to other people. In our relationships, our goal is to show them the kindness of Jesus, not to get our way. That kindness is also characterized by a goodness where we want the goodness of God alive in their life. Imagine what would happen if your relationships were dominated by patience, kindness, and goodness. The end result is uh, a faithfulness to God in all that we do. A self-control or a discipline in our heart but it all begins as we walk in the spirit so today in the midst of your emotions in the midst of your relationships and the emotions that that sometimes drive those relationships let god use your emotions to build healthy relationships when you feel the feeling stop take a breath and pray stop take a breath and pray and i actually wrote down a prayer that i encourage you to pray god will you transform my emotions so that they bear the fruit of the spirit in my relationships god 
will you transform my emotions? Will you transform my resentment? My wrath, my anger, will you transform my emotions so that they produce the fruit of the Spirit in my relationships? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Imagine what our relationships would be if the fruit of the Spirit dominated our emotions. Would you bow your heads, please? You know, this morning is one of those moments where um, we have to really do the hard work of letting the Spirit of God speak, and we have to do the disciplined work of yielding to the Spirit of God. I want to ask you, are you out of sync in your relationships because you've allowed your emotions to go unchecked? Are you out of sync in your relationships because you have allowed resentment to lead to wrath, to lead to anger, then producing shouting, abusive talk, wrapped in evil intentions? Guys, if you even have one relationship like that, that is contrary to the Spirit of God. It's contrary to the heart of Christ. So if you do have even one relationship like that, would you be willing to repent of your sin in that relationship? Would you be willing to submit your emotions, even in that relationship, to the Spirit of God? And allow him to align your heart, not necessarily with that person first, but align your heart with him first. So it then produces the fruit of the Spirit in the relationship. My prayer for you, my prayer for me, guys, is that we would have healthy relationships. And the Spirit of God is working to give us something supernatural, not just something normal every day. But we need, the God, we need the God who loves us to work on our hearts by the Spirit of God so that we feel in a way that's healthy, not toxic. The good news is that God has sent His Son Jesus to provide this new life for us. That Jesus died on a cross to crucify our sin, to kill our sin. That is the finished work of God in Christ to provide forgiveness for our sin. But as followers of Jesus today, we need to allow the Spirit of God to continue to kill that old part of us that embraces sin and to transform us into the new person that reflects the character of God's righteousness and holiness. So, Father, in these moments as we've gathered here, I pray that you would speak to your people, that we would respond in obedience to you, that, that we would cry out to you because we look at our relationships and we look at our emotions. We don't know what to do with them, but, man, we need help. 
So God, we're going to cry out to you and we're going to ask you to, to, to transform our emotions so that, so that we can see the fruit of the Spirit produced in our relationships. God, I pray that you would give us a singular voice to cry out to you. Oh God, transform my emotions for your glory, for the good of those around me. So in these next few moments, God, I pray that you would draw to yourself those whom you are calling and that you would transform hearts and begin that transformation process. Work in the hearts of your people so that they would see and hear and feel your love, joy, and peace erupting in their soul. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.